are listening to Giant Size, the comics podcast that believes that comics are for everyone. Everything should be a jumping on point. Every comic should have a beginning, middle, and end. I'm Moises Chuyan. Joining me, as always, is the Silver Sable to my prowler, Mr. John Golson. How are you, John? I'm doing fine. We've uh, we've traveled in time since the most recent episode that we posted, which was recorded months ago. Uh, but we've we've come to you from the future, otherwise known as the present. Uh, to talk in this one-shot episode about Spider-Man, the clone conspiracy number one. Uh, There's been so much time uh, between the last time that that, uh, our listeners have had an issue of this show, and and not to feed into that podcast stereotype of, you know, golly, it's been so long. Uh, We really have mimicked 90s comics uh, in in being gone for many months, and then suddenly we're back, and there's going to be a flood of content for people. John, how are you? We we just are coming off of Dallas Fan Days uh, in Dallas. Um, are, are you are you good? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Did the convention take everything out of you? Uh, it kind of did. Yeah, I slept on the drive back and then uh, rested most of the day on Monday as well. Um, it yeah, I don't know why. It just it did seem to tap me out this time. Uh, although now I'm rested, I'm ready for more. You're I I can hear you champing at the bit. I mean, you're you're going to leap through the internet. Uh, through the Skype connection and uh, and just seize life with both hands, it sounds like. So uh, I, I told you that I would love to, now that Clone Conspiracy 1 is out, right here on the heels of our Dan Slot creator spotlight episode. Felt like a, a, a nice uh, thing to get us back in the groove of things. We've got a few episodes banked up that are coming out here in short order. Uh, this episode, I should mention, is brought to you exclusively by the wonderful people at Fracture. If you go to FractureMe.com slash podcast, let them know that you heard about them on Giant Size. Save 10%. You'll hear more about them as we continue on. Uh, John, this uh, this this clone conspira- conspiracy comic is uh, is something of of the a, a sudden jump back into the Spider-Man side of things after you've you've taken some time off. I've been following along, but you've been taking a break from amazing Spider-Man. Not for very long. It's only been about six months, which I think means I've missed about 38 issues of of the monthly. Yeah. Only a couple absolute editions worth of comics. Yeah. Well, it was like, it was double shipping and double shipping quick. So there were some months I would walk into the store and there would actually be three issues waiting for me. Um, So yeah, I just, it, it was too much, too fast and had to kind of pump the brakes on it. But I did follow the first arc. So I read um, I read the stuff with, you know, Parker as a CEO in Tokyo. Um, I read the first arc of that, pitting him against uh, uh, Zodiac, that sort of thing. Now, this clone conspiracy thing, uh, it uh, it plays on the clone series of the past. It brings back the Jackal, Miles Warren. And it very immediately goes back to a couple of classic Spider-Man stories. Spoiler alert for over 30 years ago, the death of Gwen Stacy and the death of Captain Stacy. Um, now, something that you mentioned to me that I, I found interesting was that you have you have you not read the original uh, Jerry Conway written death of Captain Stacy, death of Gwen Stacy? I have not read uh, either one. I have not read Death of uh, Death of Captain Stacy nor Death of Gwen Stacy. I'm pretty well versed in the Stanley Ditko stuff and the Stanley Ramita Senior stuff. Not as well versed on the Stanley Gil Kane years nor the uh, nor the Jerry Conway uh, uh, 
Ross Andrew years. Um, but just just gaps. Everybody's got them. That, that's where mine are. I have never I've never read Death of Gwen Stacy and I've never read Death of Captain Stacy. So I, I should mention, you know, we're going to get into spoilers for this first issue of The Clone Conspiracy, which does have some reveals. It's a, a five, six month event that uh, that that has a core series and has tie ins in the the other spider family books um but before we get to spoilers i can actually describe the setup of it in general um there is a company called new you that is bringing people back to life saving people's lives not cloning people per se as has been the uh the thing in the past where miles warren the jackal uh was was the guy to start the whole madness of cloning in in spider-man's life uh former professor of peters who at one point tried to clone gwen stacy and bring her back to life um and he's popped back up every once in a while uh continuing to cause trouble and create more clones and uh, drive uh spider-man further up a tree for lack of a better term uh so the the deal this time around is that these aren't just people with identical genetic material to the people that were once known but in the case of various characters, they are being brought back to life from the moment of their death with their memories intact. And there are uh, there are characters that we see brought back in this first issue. There are characters that have been brought back to life in the lead up issues of Amazing Spider-Man going into this. Um, John, how did you approach this having taken a, a six month, 30 issue break? Uh, from Amazing Spider-Man, did you feel uh, did you feel lost? Did you feel like you were missing some necessary information? How did you feel? I didn't feel lost from a standpoint of modern comics. I felt like some of the emotional impact might have been softened just based on the fact that, um, you know, again, we're going to get into spoilers here, but so much of the impact of the issue uh, hinges on a reveal of uh, of Captain Stacy being alive, and that character not really having a lot of. Um, uh, I have really no emotional investment in that character at all outside of like his appearances in the Spider-Man movies. Um, I just, again, I didn't read those issues. So some of that was lost on me, but not necessarily the, uh, the contents of the issue themselves weren't lost on me. You know, I could follow the story just fine. All right. So we're going to go straight into spoilers. Uh, again, if you'd like to support the show, uh, you know, pause here uh, and go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. Let them know that you heard about them on Giant Size and start getting your photos printed on glass in a way that'll last a lifetime. They're gorgeous. Uh, they have all sorts of different sizes that you can get uh, for all kinds of photos in your life that you've always been meaning to put on the wall and get out of your phone. Um, so thanks to Fracture for supporting this episode of Giant Size and all of ESN. Spoiler time, John. So you didn't have a big emotional investment in Captain Stacy. So Captain Stacy being brought back to life didn't hit you like a ton of bricks. Uh, in the advertising, in the lead-up issues, it had already been revealed that Gwen Stacy had been brought back to life. Um, does the uh, the the unretconnable death of Gwen Stacy, as it were, uh, do you consider that too sacred of territory for Dan Slott to have gone over? Or do you think that there's an interesting angle to this? I felt like there was some inevitability to it in regards to the merchandising of Gwen Stacy. 
Um, obviously, through Spider-Gwen and Gwenpool, the character has, has kind of come into her own and developed her own set of fans. So it certainly makes sense from a... Um, it makes sense from a sales side to bring that character back into play. Uh, when they announced, um, what is it? Death no more or, uh, yeah, dead what no was the more. name of the dead? No dead more was more. The, the four issue lead up to the clone conspiracy series. I postulated that there were a couple things that would, uh, that could happen. One of them being that Gwen could come back and that seemed like the most commercially viable, uh, in some ways, least interesting option. I think the more interesting option would have been Uncle Ben because Peter puts so much of his hinges, so much of his motivation on the death of Uncle Ben that dealing with a an Uncle Ben that was alive um, to me would would create more, uh, especially at the time that they announced it. Aunt May still had a, a paramour, um, so I thought, oh, that there's a lot of story potential. There's way more to be mined story-wise from uh from uncle ben coming back um and then some people were you know just straight up saying like oh wolverine and professor x like uh they're going to be brought back and i guess the door is still open for some of the characters that have that have died recently to be uh put back on the table you know i don't know necessarily if marvel is grooming this story in that way so that slot can resurrect some um some dead people from outside of the spider-man world but the Gwen Stacy thing seemed uh, the least surprising uh, yeah. uh, in regards to where Marvel is and how much juice they're getting out of Spider-Gwen and Gwenpool. The the thing that I found interesting was getting getting my head wrapped around exactly how they were handling her, uh, where as we as we kind of find from the backup story she's very much set up as a co-antagonist uh, in terms of whatever it is the Jackal has up its sleeve. Um, to your point about Uncle Ben, I thought that... I, I wasn't surprised that we didn't see Uncle Ben front and center in the first issue. And there's there's a, the, the dynamics of how this works, where the person is brought back and they are given the choice. Take the pill, stay alive, and then keep taking the pill every day, like uh, our, our favorite... Uh, uh, one of our favorite devices in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Ketrasol White, uh, that the Dominion Jem'Hadar troops have to take uh, that they're literally addicted to. Um, in this first issue, we see what happens when you miss a dose. And I think that, you know, that that consequence being set up, that's one thing. But just the the initial, you have to make a conscious decision that you want to stay alive by taking this. It makes me It makes me wonder... What is going to happen when we do eventually actually cross the bridge that will be Uncle Ben? If he just says, no, I'm not going to take the pill, or if he takes the pill and then decides to stop taking the pill. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a less binary dynamic to it than I think a lot of people put on it, and the individual agency and choices that different characters make i think is what's going to make or break the event for me and uh, you know going going with slots choices that he's made in the past with spider verse um you know with other big spider events spider island um i i'm not particularly worried the way that it seems there's always this cabal of people you know uh, plotting the downfall of dan slot who they're going to finally forced to stop ruining Spider-Man for them. Um, I like the kind of 
dangerous choices that that uh, that are made in this, and you know the loads and loads of Spider-Men of other dimensions that were killed in Spider-Verse. Um, I feel pretty good about it, honestly, and it's the kind of sacred territory that other people have resisted touching that I I like this specific approach specifically because of the way that that we see in the backup story that Gwen Stacy was in fact conscious but unable to physically respond you know she'd been like tased effectively um you know, and felt betrayed yeah that that to me is a character development did so much to heal i guess you would say the 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 wound that i have in my memories of the death of Gwen Stacy which was really important is a major event in Spider-Man history, but over time, me and loads of other f- people out there have found to be kind of oh, so the only way to motivate your male protagonist is by killing a love interest and just using her as a plot device rather than an actual human being. Um, I think that that is one of the best rehabilitations of that character that yes, people are crying and screaming, retcon, retcon, you know, all these social justice warriors are ruining all my comics. I'm sorry, but all these social justice warriors, as it were, are making the comics more readable, more fleshed out, more considered and more the sort of thing that can really stand the test of time that don't just have to live in 30, 40 and 50 year old storylines. Um, I, I totally, I totally am on board with this as of, as of this issue. Um, there are a lot of tie-ins, they're $5 issues, but it's just a five issue miniseries. And even if I'm, I'm just reading the core miniseries, I can, I can live with paying $25 total for the whole thing. Um, you know, we could, we could probably do a two hour episode about how comics really need to get away from $5 price points and even $4 price points to the extent possible. Um, but you know, I, I worry that people will avoid an otherwise interesting, deeply considered series because of the price point. Yeah. um, I don't know. You know, that's been the price point thing has been its own issue, especially when people are being asked to buy things across a huge crossover. I think that's got to be even more of a consideration than just a first issue. You know, it's one thing for an issue of champions to be 499. It's another thing for, um, most parts, most chapters of a crossover to be four ninety nine. I think that they could, you know, you think that they would stand to go. Okay, we'll sell more of the uh, crossover issues at a lower price point than uh, than trying to get five bucks a piece for them. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't. Who knows? I don't know why stuff costs what it does. Um, the one character that I was uh, happy to see back was a hail and. Uh, healthy uh dr octopus i i completely agree and you you missed the amazing spider-man tie-in issue that bridged the gap of otto octavius's mind being inside the robot named the living brain and his uh his racing at full speed toward the uh last page reveal in the in the a story of clone conspiracy one Ah, uh, so wait, then that gets complicated. It, it well, so, there, there's also a gap in information. Like there's information that you don't. I get. I assumed that he had the memories then up to the point of quote unquote death because that's 
the way that stuff was positioned. But I do know that the robot had Doc Ock's memories. So the Doc Ock that functions now has completely up to date memories or has memories that has completely has completely up to date memories through Spider-Verse. But he also had another kind of psychotic break in trying to get himself out of the robot and uh, and and into a body. Um, it, it, it's it's one of the uh, it, it's it, it was it was honestly uh, in, in a couple of uh, beats uh, a little heartbreaking because as much as I hate Otto Octavius, he has those glimmers of redemptive potential. And I just you know, it's it's almost like when Peter Parker makes a really boneheaded decision because he thinks that he can carry the weight of the world on his shoulders and doesn't need anybody else to help. Um, but there, there is a gap in information. There's information that we don't have. Um, but he, he was, he, he was, he was, he was not yet in this body at the end of that issue, but, uh, the consciousness and memories of Otto Octavius had resolved to find a way to make it happen in in a way that, you know, you don't need in, in a, in a biopic of a famous figure, you don't need to see every single thing that they do in a day, like brushing their teeth and making eggs in the morning or something like that. Um, it's not like there's a huge chunk of information missing, but you are missing a little bit from, uh, from that lead up issue. Are there other characters that you're excited about potentially seeing back on the table that have been out of the picture for some time? Uh, something that I I'd mentioned to you is a, a lot of the people who've been brought back are loved ones of supporting characters or rehabilitated villains um, you know, there, there's a very good reason that the lizard is, is on the jackal's side and the rhino is on the jackal's side and J. Jonah Jameson, uh, his, his dead wife was brought back to life. Um, there's, there's a lot of manipulation that's already gone on in the lead up and it, uh, it feels like the deck is decidedly stacked against Spider-Man. Um, how do they explain the fact that it's all Spider-Man supporting cast that's being brought back uh because that's part of the jackal's mysterious plan they haven't fully fleshed that out yet it's it, it's effectively been like the jackal has built up um uh goons uh he's he's got the lizard and the rhino doing whatever he wants yeah um, because he has he has i brought your loved one back and i'm keeping them alive a, f- a female electro yeah uh who was was seeing uh the original electro and then uh, his unpredictable powers manifested when she went to kiss him and he killed her by kissing her. And uh, because of, you know, whatever magic uh, science goes into the, the revival process, um, she she was brought back uh, with uh, with Electro's powers. So you think we're going to get you think part of the big storyline is going to be uh, why, why Spider-Man, like why this corner of why resurrect people only related to this one guy? Yeah. I, I I think that's definitely a piece of it. I mean, Spider-Verse, we thought Kane, otherwise known as the Scarlet Spider was dead. um, But he emerged from, from a spider cocoon thing and just has been nowhere to be seen ever since. Um, with no clue where he is, what's going on with him. Um, there are various Spider-Man universe characters that, that are dead and have been dead for a while, not just loved ones of supporting characters that the Jackal needs as leverage to make those people do whatever it is that he wants done to Spider-Man. Um, 
I don't think he's terribly surprised that Spider-Man found his way into the facility. Um, I think he wanted that to an extent. You know, as long as he had his main chess piece in Gwen Stacy, it it wasn't it wasn't really that big of a deal how soon Spider-Man Peter Parker found uh found all this stuff. Um and with Gwen's memory being what it is, you know, this uh, the the jackal under that mask absolutely must know that Peter Parker's Spider-Man and Spider-Man's Peter Parker. So th- this is something where Peter Parker's like joining the game in the bottom of the ninth inning with the bases loaded and 15 runs against him to use uh, a sports analogy for whatever reason. Um, so I, I, I would assume we're going to see uncle Ben, we're going to see uh silver sable. Uh, we're going to see various characters um from the, the Spider-Man side of, uh, of, of things. Uh, I don't know. Madam Webb, I, I think is dead. Madam Webb will be back. I bet Maddie Franklin, one of the various spider women, I bet she'll be back. In fact, I think she's already been on cover art for, uh, for different things like for, uh, for tie in issues of silk. Um, anybody that you can think of who, who is one of those many dead people that, that showed up, you know, in, in, uh, in Parker's mind in superior Spider-Man that, you know, have, have gone by the wayside or anybody that you're particularly interested in seeing not from Peter Parker's direct world. Um, nobody that really, you know, nobody that really, uh, gets me going that way. You know, there's a lot of dead people in the Marvel universe in general, or people that are just sort of MIA, um, who could stand a, a bit of resurrection. Uh, but not necessarily, not, not anybody that's coming up to mind. That's, that's directly Spider-Man related. I mean, outside of the ones you've named, you've named some that, that I'd be, you know, I'd be more than happy to see like Silver Sable come back, but, um, not, not anybody that you haven't named already. I I have a feeling that we're really going to see primarily Spider-Man family characters be a part of this, but that's not to say that, you know, that isn't, that isn't a curveball that that slots able to to play with but it it you know i i think the x men side of of things is pretty much has dibs on wolverine and professor x um but that isn't to say that that there won't be spider man affiliated characters that you don't think of necessarily as spider man antagonists you know surrogates cohorts whatever that might not you know pop back up um it, it it's 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 kind of set up less like a Spider-Man clone series than a Spider-Man zombie series where the zombies aren't rotting flesh. Um, I don't know. I like, how do you feel about the, the potential like body horror or otherwise horror implications of, of what they have set up for, you know, if you don't take the magic pill, then you're going to be a, a, a nervous system and circulatory system. Uh, we are going to see that happen to a lot of characters. <laughs> I think more characters are going to dissolve into goo before the thing is over than there will be characters that live. Do you feel like there's somebody that you want to, you want to find a way out of that, uh, mystery box, uh, that, uh, that on an ongoing basis you would like to see back and in full form? 
Um, I mean, do you uh, want to see? Do you want to see Gwen Stacy back alive permanently? Uh, you know, I. Uh, no, <laughs> I have no. I have no attachment to that character at all, other than she's appeared in the movies and. Um, you know, I know Spider Gwen's popular. I know Gwenpool's popular. It's just not, you know, everybody has characters that are theirs and Gwen Stacy is not one of mine. I grew up with Mary Jane Watson and she was Peter's love interest. And, uh, and I've not ever seen Gwen Stacy, um, display the amount of personality outside of Bendis's ultimate Spider-Man run where I felt I had a really good handle on, uh, on her appeal. Um, so I, you know, I no, I'm not, I'm not super excited about Gwen Stacy being back, but that's a weird question. Cause Gwen Stacy's already been back sort of like, <laughs> I feel like she's been back now for a couple of years, you know? Um, you, you, you saw my, you saw my trap and you avoided it. <laughs> So, well, John, uh, this this uh, one shot episode of Giant Size is brought to our wonderful listeners by uh, by Fracture. I've I've talked to you about Fracture before. You're familiar with these people, yes? Yes. Uh, photos printed on glass. They print your photos on glass. They put in uh, laser etched uh, foam uh, backing on it. Uh, you you don't have to go and get a frame for these photos. You don't have to get mounting hardware for these photos. It's all in the box that it ships in. It's ready to just put on the wall. Um, John, the, the thing that, that I've heard this compared to, you know, and you can look at photos, you can look at some video on their website, are, uh, you, you have a Retina MacBook Pro, I've got a Retina MacBook Pro, where aside from the fact that you can't see the divisions between the pixels, it really looks like the screen is just right there on the glass. It doesn't look like there is, there is some sort of lens that you're looking through as or It really just looks like it is there vividly to life. Uh, and I've seen these things made at their facility in Gainesville. I've seen the process. I've seen the machines you're not allowed to photograph because of uh, proprietary, uh, very fancy processes that they use for this stuff, uh, which is really quite a sight to behold. You know, I've seen the quality assurance folks go through and, and do their multi-point checks on this stuff. Um, you know, they're they're all made in the USA. They do ship internationally. So if you're not in the States, you can still support the show by uh, by going to FractureMe.com slash podcast, letting them know that you heard about them from Giant Size, your favorite comics podcast, maybe your favorite podcast of all time. You'll save 10% off of your first order. Uh, John, how do you how do you feel about photos, about, uh, you know, the, the things that you capture in the photos that are important to you? Do, do most of those live on your phone? Do you have a lot of stuff hung up in your apartment? I, I may, this may be a leading question, Your Honor. Um, I might know the answer to an extent, but please, uh, please indulge me. Most of my photos are on hard drives, and I think that's probably the case with most people. I've got a couple of family pictures, but most of mine are on hard drives. So, um, so the the prospect of having that stuff ready to hang is uh, is pretty appealing. And I think as well, like the holidays are coming, uh, and that stuff makes a really good gift. I am a little bit uh, disappointed to find that I can't take a picture of their facility and then get them to print a copy of it. Actually, I. <laughs> You know what? You know what? I'm, I might know a guy. I might know a guy who does have some photos of, of parts of their facility that I'm uh-huh. allowed to print that, mm. uh, you know, I might just I might just get one of those so that I can so that I can have the 
the fractury, as they call it, uh, right here uh, within arm's reach. Uh, I wanted to inception it. Uh, these things really are gorgeous. You know, I, I love, um, I love the product, uh, that these folks make. I, I made an extended detour, uh, from a very long drive as it already was because I wanted to actually see this stuff live and in person because I've only heard people tell stories about, um, you know, what they have seen from video and what they have been told and everything. And I wanted to have that, that in-person experience, um, you know these are uh, these are good folks that are that are making stuff in the USA and um and making it in a unique and interesting way that you can't just you know go to the pharmacy and have them spit out on an inkjet printer in a way that'll fade after a year or two uh, there's a there's a lifetime guarantee on this stuff i mean don't go like throwing it on the ground but in terms of the vivid nature of the color and the inks that they use um you know you stick this thing on your wall it's not going to it's not going to uh, to suddenly look, you know, dingy and, and terrible like, you know, Polaroids that you took 25 years ago. Um, they they really are gorgeous. And uh, take those once in a lifetime experiences and print them in a way that will last a lifetime. Thanks to Fracture for supporting Giant Size and all of our shows here at ESN. John, uh, any closing thoughts on the on the clone conspiracy? I didn't know people were mad. I usually, I usually hear if people are mad. I didn't know people were mad. It was, it was kind of um, gentle anger. It was, it was a lot okay. of people going, "Oh, what else did we expect?" Dan Slot, you know, doing what, what I hope the next writer will undo, uh, which they've been saying four, five, six Spider-Man events in a row. You know, just wait. This will be the one when we don't buy it, but all we do is talk about it. This will be the one. I always enjoy his events, so we'll see where this goes. Uh, I, I there hasn't been one so far that I haven't I haven't liked. John, uh, before we close things out, we've got a number of of interesting things coming up on the show. We've got a few things that we've recorded. We've got a lot of things we haven't yet recorded, um, but that are are very uh, very very much ready to go. I actually I need to I need to allow you to to preview the audio of a panel that I hosted with John Romita Jr. and Doug Mankey, uh, a couple of powerhouse artists to say the least uh who very rarely do comic conventions together or at all really um talking very very in depth about about the the blood sweat and tears that that it is to be a working comics artist it isn't all just eisner awards and articles in wizard magazine as it were um we've uh, we've got uh, a nice creator spotlight on a friend of the show greg pock coming up interview with francesco francavilla coming up um you know what what uh what's what what uh might have just happened on twitter the day that we record this that is going to suddenly lead to us uh doing an episode with a creator whose work you turned me on to actually oh first time uh writer artist jay gunn um who who did a uh a really fantastic book called surface tension this was for uh, titan comics mm-hmm. uh this is a this is a book that you uh you sold me on to the extent that I, I, I found that I have actually bought two copies of it. Uh, so I can, I can read them both and, and, uh, and just, you know, only read each once. Um, but we're, we, we just are starting to set things up to, uh, to have Jay on the show. Uh, we're going to have, uh, Eric Burnham, who we've praised many, many times for, for his IDW Ghostbusters work. Uh, he's going to be on the show. Um, lots of, lots of fun, crazy stuff coming up. Uh, anything in particular, you know, this, this is, this is the opportunity to get ourselves in trouble. Anything that you, that you're, uh, that you're eager to cover 
whether we have an interview in the can with a creator or whether it's just a topic, whether it's a comic, whether it's a, you know, just something in particular that you want to cover before, before 2016 closes out. Hmm. I don't know. What about, uh, what about Dr. Strange? Dr. Strange, we could do Dr. Strange. We could do, uh, one, one might say that I've literally been preparing to do a Dr. Strange episode for four years and, uh, it'll be nice to get that thing out there. Um, and we've got some interesting stuff elsewhere on the network. Actually, in one case, one little something or another that's coming out, uh, actually before this episode of Giant Size posts in the Electric Shadow feed, um, a combination of an interview that I did with Dr. Strange director Scott Derrickson and a chat that I had with film critic and film programmer Walter Chaw about Dr. Strange, whitewashing, Orientalism, all kinds of controversial stuff that I think has not been covered terribly well for various reasons that I'll get into. So if you're not already subscribed to Electric Shadow, subscribe to that. John, if people aren't already following you on Twitter, they can follow you at Golson, G-H-O-L-S-O-N, and see marvelous photos of your new cat. New to you, cat, that is. Yes. Yes. Is, is this cat working out? Is, is, is he a good roommate? He, he was just, uh, while we were recording, he was trying to eat the... Um... Eat, eat the headphone uh, wire. So I have been fighting him while we've been recording. Actually, you couldn't even tell. But yeah, <laughs> he's being a pain in my ass. So if you're not already following the show on Twitter, it's at Giant Size Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Moises Chu, M-O-I-S-E-S-C-H-I-U. We've got a Facebook page for the show. Please like it, share it with your friends. Uh, we're, we were talking at the convention, actually, about some weird, wild, and crazy stuff that we might do with that account. Uh, do some Facebook Live stuff. Who knows? Who knows, John? Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of these two men? Thank you, John. Thank you. Thanks again to the wonderful people at Fracture for exclusively bringing you this episode of Giant Signs of Limited Commercial Interruption. Go to FractureMe.com slash podcast to support the show. Let them know that you heard about them right here on Giant Size. Save 10% and start making those memories last a lifetime.